As you came in this morning, there were some of you that came in and you were like, Joe, you looked at the stage and you were like, yes, Christmas is here and I can't wait and I wish it was like this all year long. And there were some of you that came in and were like, already? Like, already? Like, really? Like, we just got done with Christmas or we just got done with Thanksgiving and now we're in uh, Christmas already. And actually, uh, you noticed, like I noticed, Clear back in the beginning of November when you walked into Starbucks and they already had all the Christmas stuff and you're like, hold on a second. Like, we got to do Thanksgiving first. And all of us are in different places when we enter into this season. And sometimes even for me, as I enter into this season, I'm in different places. Sometimes I'm like... Uh, you know, Buddy the Elf, and like Christmas is here, and I'm ready to go. And there's sometimes that I approach Christmas, and I go, I'm just not quite there yet, Lord. And for all of us, we enter into different places when it comes to this season. But for some of us, when we enter into this season, it's not unusual for my circumstances to dictate where my heart's at. That's just part of life sometimes. That our circumstances, the things that are going on dictate our heart, dictate our mind. And there's an overwhelming sense of pressure sometimes of like, I've got to get ready for a Christmas cheer and I've got to get ready for the hustle and bustle. And I have to approach this season from this place of like, I'm just happy. But sometimes that's not reality. Sometimes our heart, sometimes my heart is at a place where I'm dealing with the pain of life. I'm dealing with loss in my life, whether that's a loss of a loved one, whether that's maybe relationships that are broken and are gone, disappointments. Sometimes it's actual sin in my life that I'm actually having to work through and deal with with the Lord. Sometimes it's a family crisis or a family conflict. We just got done with Thanksgiving where families get together in the midst of conflict which probably caused maybe even more conflict. And as much as I want to be in a place of, of full of joy and full of laughter and happiness and Christmas cheer, oftentimes that's not where I find myself. Now my normal uh, go-to solution when I'm in this place is I just have to try harder. I just have to do better. Sometimes that helps, but sometimes when I enter in from that mindset, it actually makes things harder. It makes the darkness seem even deeper. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one that struggles with this. See, I think that the Lord wants us to experience joy. He wants us to experience uh, unbelievable happiness and peace and all the things that this season represents, but I think oftentimes there's a path forward that's different than how the world tells us to operate. There's a path forward that's even different than even how Christians think we should operate. What is that path forward? And what does it actually look like in Scripture to enter into this season? And what does it look like for us to actually approach this Christmas season from a different place? maybe a more biblical place. I want you to understand that if you've come this morning, and we're talking about hope, the first week of Advent, hope, we have to understand that actually, hope doesn't come from a place of just automatic joy. But actually, hope actually begins from a place of hopelessness and despair, actually. 
Hope actually starts from this place, and it's actually the beginning of the Christmas story that this is actually where the people of Israel find themselves in. If you don't know the biblical story, the reality is is that we're entering into the story with the people of Israel from a place of darkness, of despair, of really God actually not speaking to his people for over 400 years. God is silent. He has not spoken to his prophets. He has not gone and and, and spoken to his people through his leaders. And instead, God is actually silent. And not only is he silent, but the Jews are in the midst of, of wars with the Seleucid Empire. An empire that was a part of the Alexander the Great's empire. And they're in the midst of war and difficulty and its struggle. As the people of Israel are asking the question, where are you, God? Where are you? And it's this place that we actually start the Advent story. The question we've got to ask ourselves is how did they get to that place? They got to that place because the people of Israel had actually moved into a place where they weren't actually partnering with God and what he was actually up to. They'd actually chosen to actually become enemies of God's story, of God's agenda. God had said that they were going to be a light unto the nations, that they were going to be a royal priesthood, that they were going to be a people that sought for the outsider, that loved the poor, that loved the widow, that invited people in and shared in God's goodness, but they had actually begun to worship other gods, worship other idols. They'd actually forgotten about the outsider. They'd actually decided to think about themselves, not about their God and not about other people. And so God said in Amos that this would happen. God said that silence was coming. Amos chapter eight, verse four, hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself the pride of Jacob. I will never forget anything they have done. I will not... Will not the land tremble for this? And all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will stir up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you, all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only son and... In the end of it, like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing, what's it say up there? Hearing words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. This is the start of Advent. Silence. Famine of the Lord's words. The reality is, is for many of us, this is how we feel right now in our lives. That there is a silence from the Lord. That there is a famine of the Lord. That 
Even though you know of his truth, you don't feel like the Lord is with you. The Bible calls us lots of different things. Pain, hopelessness, silence, wandering in the desert. These are all images that we, we use to describe how we feel in the midst of silence from the Lord. And there's lots of different reasons why we may be experiencing this silence. Some of us are experiencing, like I talked about, personal pain. You've experienced betrayal. You've experienced unfair criticism. You've experienced having to let a relationship go or a loved one go. You're experiencing that personal pain. Maybe it's the reality of heartache of a loved one that you wish healing would come, but it doesn't. And there's no promise that it actually will come. For some of you, it, it is your fault pain. It is choices that you've made and now you are experiencing the reality of that pain. You're experiencing the decision to disobey God. You're, you're experiencing the breakdown of relationship because you chose, chose self instead of loving your neighbor. And for some of you, it's external forces pain. It might be something that's out of your control like a health crisis or a family crisis. It's something that you don't wish on anybody, but it's taking place. But you feel like the Lord is not with you. God is silent. I want to tell you that if you find yourself in the midst of the season, God actually gives you permission to be in this place. God gives you permission to be in this place. To mourn and weep over your sin. To mourn and weep over the pain that you're experiencing that's nobody's fault. The reality of, of recognizing that, God, where are you? Are you in this place? Are you in this moment? Are you actually working? Are you actually speaking? And as much as we say, like, God gives you permission, does he really? Well, what's amazing is there's actually like a book called the Psalms that has all sorts of different songs that describe the worship and words that we give to the Lord. But there's these songs in the Psalms that we often read and we go, man, like, that's powerful and that speaks to my soul. But we don't ever sing those types of songs in Sunday worship, do we? Like this song, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Have you ever sung that in a Sunday worship service? Right? I haven't. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalms are full of these songs, the songs of lament. The song in the book of lamentations, of weeping and crying out to God, where are you? Staff team and I went up um, with a group of friends up to Post Falls the week before, and we got to be a part of a conference up there where we just journeyed together in a small group 
And there's this fun game that when you first start, you think like, this is a youth group game. Like, what are we doing as adults playing this game? And it's this game called Have You Ever? And what you do is you get, you know, circle, chairs in a circle, and it's kind of like musical chairs where there's one less chair that's in the group. And you start in the middle and you have to say, have you ever? And whatever you say, it's something that you have to have done. You can't make up a lie to get someone else to stand up. But you have to say, have you ever been to church on Sunday? And if you have, you have to stand up and find another empty chair. And whoever's left in the middle has to start the next question, have you ever? Does this make sense? And the whole point of this game is to actually just have fun, but eventually move into more transparent, vulnerable place with your questions. For example, um, have you ever had an affair? And to see who else stands up. Have you ever struggled with addiction? And what I found fascinating is one of the more vulnerable questions that moved towards the end of the game was, have you ever yelled at God? And I found it fascinating that for us as a society and as a culture, that was a vulnerable question. Have you ever yelled at God? Have you ever struggled with God? Have you ever been angry? Have you ever doubted God? That was a vulnerable question. But if we look at in the scripture, this, is, was, this was normal. The, the people of Israel understood that they had permission to actually cry out to God, where are you? No matter the circumstances that they were wrestling with, that God actually gives his people permission to be in this place. And I am convinced that if we're going to be Jesus' church, we've got to be willing to create this type of space for people. That church isn't always sunshine and roses, right? That we're called to be a people that are real before God and real with one another. We have a saying on this wall in this quarter. Do you guys know what that saying is on this quarter? It's where Jesus and real life meet. And yes, that means joy and love and peace, but it also means, God, I don't have any hope right now and I need it. God, I want hope even though it feels like my world is falling apart right now. It's permission to say, I'm not okay. That the church is supposed to be a place where we can say, I'm not okay. And I need help. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to actually create a little bit of space for that to actually take place. The start of Advent is a reminder that God is inviting us into a real relationship with him, even if it is a time of lament. God can handle your questions. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your anger. God can handle your sadness. And what we're going to do this morning have just invited part of the worship team to come up and they're going to sing a song that's, in, that's titled Lament. We just want to invite you just to sit and listen and allow it to speak to your heart this morning. Allow, allow it to just to speak to maybe where you're at and if you've come this morning and you are in this place, maybe it's just time for you to weep. 
Maybe it's just time for you just to sit in the reality of what you have in front of you. Whatever brokenness you're experiencing, whatever pain you're experiencing. And we just wanna create space because we believe that it's okay to be in this place. Because this is the, the start of something amazing for willing to sit in this place. You are 
does God invite us to be honest with him and I believe the only way we're going to actually experience real hope is if we're honest with him if we come before him honestly transparently vulnerably not only does God invite us to that but he also invites us to actually look back if we're going to experience hope we have to be willing to look back The book of Ezekiel is a book written by a prophet who spoke to the people that were in the midst of extreme difficulty. They're forced from their homes because they had a broken faith. God sent them on a journey. And as a prophet, the Lord used Ezekiel to speak and defend God's reputation. The primary purpose of Ezekiel's message was to restore God's glory before Israel. And there's these amazing visions that Ezekiel uses to describe what's going on with the people of Israel. And in Ezekiel chapter 10, there's this vision. It says in verse 18, the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. Now, whenever people ask me, what is a cherubim? I'm always like, ah, this is like a really interesting question. I'm having a really hard time describing. Because as I describe it, people are like, that's weird. So I looked up the definition, lots of different definitions. This was my best one that I found. A celestial winged being with human, animal, or bird-like characteristics who function as a throne bearer of the Lord. And you're going, okay, that makes kind of a little bit of sense. Never experienced that before, right? You're like, is this from Stranger Things? What's going on, right, in the scriptures, right? It's a weird being, right? But this is what Ezekiel says. The glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple. Verse 19, while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. What's this picture of? It's God's spirit leaving the temple. 
This is not an encouraging message. This is a message in which the people would be like, God's spirit is leaving the temple because they thought then in that moment, God's spirit is leaving us. This is a time of of great discomfort, of, of great discouragement. And if we just stop there in the story and don't keep reading on, it leaves us in the midst of, of despair and discouragement. But we have to be able to look back at the entire story. We have to be able to look back and to see what God is up to if we're going to experience hope. And later on in verse 40, or chapter 43, it says, The man brought me to the gate facing east and i saw the glory of the lord of israel coming from the what's it say up there coming from the now here's what's fascinating about that as the people are are leaving israel they're being sent off to where there's a word that we use they're sent off to what anybody know starts with a c exactly captivity and where do they go to does anybody remember starts with a b say it again babylon and what direction is babylon it's to the east god's glory departs the temple goes with the people of israel to the east to babylon and later on in the story as they're coming back there's this vision look at verse 43 it says that the glory of the lord of israel is coming from the where east you see, God's glory comes back to fill the temple with his people. And they were reminded of God's faithfulness. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw, like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the vision I'd seen by the Kabar River, and I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east, and the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You see, we can look back and we can say, man, this is a time of discomfort, a time of tremendous discouragement, but it's the Lord that actually brings his Spirit back to the temple. And it's in this moment that we actually begin to move to a place of understanding hope. Because in life's pain, when we're experiencing pain, oftentimes the only thing we can see is what's right in front of us. Are you with me, church? We can only see what's right in front of us, but if we're willing in the midst of that pain to look back, look back at the story of Ezekiel, we see that God continues to remain faithful to his people. His spirit fills the temple again. The Bible is actually in a written account of not man's faithfulness. The Bible is a written account of God's faithfulness to his people over and over and over again. Even in the midst of great difficulty, God remained faithful to his word. And Jesus, Jesus is the story of Jesus coming, fully God, fully a man and remaining faithful when we couldn't God was and this is where hope's actually born it's born in realizing that God will redeem his people 
God will restore order. God will restore peace. He always fulfills his promises. We just have to be willing to look back. Because when we look back, we have the ability then to move forward. Not only is holding on to hope require us to be honest with God, it requires us to look back, but it also requires us to prepare the way of the Lord. Lastly, I want to look at Isaiah this morning. One of the key themes of Isaiah is that God's people find strength only as they rest in the promises of God. And in Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is, this is the passage of John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord, preparing the way for Jesus' ministry to come. And the reality is, if we want to experience hope this Christmas season, it's going to require us to prepare the way of the Lord. It's going to require us to prepare our hearts. When I've experienced Jesus in its, in its grandest, amazing way, when I've experienced him in its fullest way, when I've experienced him, it's not been by accident. It's been intentionality. It requires me to be honest with where I'm at with the Lord. It requires me to look back and to see that he continues to be faithful. It requires me to prepare the way of the Lord. And for some of you this morning, if you want to experience hope, it's going to require you to prepare the way. Now you're saying, does that mean try harder? Does that mean do more? No, 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 no. None of that. It's lamenting before Jesus. It's being honest with him and honest with others. It's looking back and seeing his promises fulfilled over and over and over again. And guess what? That's actually really hard work. It's actually really hard work. And for some of you this morning, you're not in this season of darkness. And I want to tell you this morning, praise God for that. Amen? Here's the thing. You are in that place so that you can love someone who is in that place. God has you in this place so that you could surround yourself with that person and say, I'm here with you in the midst of your desert. God has you in this place so that you can look at them and say, if you just did X, Y, Z, all your problems would go away. That's not what you say, right? You just sit with people. And when they ask, how are you so strong? How are you in this place? You can say, there was once a moment where I wasn't. But I was honest before God. I had to be reminded of his faithfulness to me and his faithfulness to Israel and his faithfulness to his people over and over and over again and be reminded that I can move forward because I know God has always fulfilled his word. And you just sit with people. But if you're here this morning and you're in that place, you're in the desert, you're in the dark, Jesus is inviting you 
into a real relationship with him. He's inviting you into the story of remembering he fulfills his promises. And would you be so courageous to say, I'm not okay. And I need relationship with God. I need relationship with others. And some of you are here this morning and you've never made that declaration that Jesus is Lord. And he's inviting you into that this morning. So as we wrap up this morning in our time of worship, I want to invite you to look back and find hope. Because when you look back and find hope, God actually propels you forward into the future. And as we get ready for communion, I just want you to be thinking about two things. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, would you be willing to cry out to God in worship? Would you be willing to cry out to God in the honesty of what you're struggling with? Would you be willing to cry out to God and say, I need you and I need your people? If you're here this morning, you're doing well. You're not in this place. Would you be willing not to marginalize those who are struggling? Would you be willing to say, well, they just don't have enough faith, but would you be willing to enter into a relationship with people that are hurting and to bear the burden that they're carrying? In the Old Testament, the people of Israel wander in the desert much like the desert of southern Idaho. The, the, the desert of Israel is very familiar or very similar to the desert of southern Idaho. And you guys know what it's like during the summer, right? When it's 100 plus degree heat. The scriptures talk about how God is like shade for his people. And if you've ever been in the desert in southern Idaho, and experience the 105, 110 degree heat, you know what it's like to enter into shade. God is inviting you as he is shade for his people that maybe you are called to be shade for somebody else. That you're called to be strong for somebody else. And when you do that, you are actually being the hands and feet of Jesus. So as we get ready to go to the table and have communion, would you be willing to pray for maybe that person you know that's struggling this morning? Would you be willing to pray for them and to be Jesus' hands and feet to them? And for those of you that are struggling this morning, would you be willing to be honest with Jesus and say, I'm struggling and I need you? And would you be willing to look back and be reminded of God's faithfulness to you. Let's spend time this morning in prayer as we get ready to have a meal together.